There's a kids' TV show about some kids that found a Roman spaceship. Do you remember that? Aquila. Yeah. I beg your and pardon. <laughs> they found a Roman spaceship. Like they dug it up yeah, or something. They had to learn Latin to, to, to be able to fly it. They, they had to talk to it in Latin or it didn't do it, it wouldn't do what it was told. <laughs> so how did this explain away Roman space travel? <laughs> I can't remember. Wasn't it like there a holographic like... centurion inside <laughs> or something? Well, I'm imagining that. I'm sure there was like lore as well. I can't remember. It was really good though. Was th- and, that one and... of those wild, like high production value Australian kids' TV shows? I think it was BBC. I think they f- didn't they find it like you know under a bridge in Bristol or something? <laughs> yeah, and it did not have high production values. Hang on, I'm just googling this now. Like a holographic centurion sounds like it's got quite a lot of ghostess energy. <laughs> yeah, it's got big ghostess energy. the worst i mean no wonder the romans didn't have much of a space program if that's the best they could come up with no wonder they hid it they were just ashamed of those looks <laughs> amazing oh, i'll learn something today thanks for listening folks <laughs> i'll see you next week aquila i yeah i i i loved it but i can't remember much about it now you remember that one where the, the children dug up that sort of withered pervert in a sand pit? <laughs> Five children in it? Yes, that's it. <laughs> it wasn't it, old... Um, what was his name? It wasn't Mr. Tumnus. That's that's uh, Narnia. But it was something like that. It was Mr... He was, no, he was a Samiad. Samiad, that's it, yeah. That's what he was called. Samiad, Samiad. sounds like a massive Greek poem about a bloke called Sam... Yeah, it does. But he was a withered pervert. He was a you know an impish wish granter. Oh, he looked like sort of Mitch McConnell and Michael Gove spliced their DNA into ET. And it had a lot of like dirt and gravel on him because they found him in a gravel pit. So it had yeah, big, it would... had a, it had a very big kind of cat turd in litter tray energy. Uh, <laughs> he buried himself in the sand. It's called oh. like a sand, a sand fairy or something as well. And also, I, they remake it like every sort of t- ten years or so. Someone does a new film or television adaptation, and the Samiad's always voiced by someone like Eddie Izzard oh, or Sean Connery or something. Uh, like an Eddie Izzard one, or like yeah. Kenzie Crook as the sand fairy. Oh, forgive me. This isn't the one I was thinking of. It doesn't look like. Um... Wonder what the one is that looks like Mitch McConnell. This one looks exactly like Alan Sugar. <laughs> it's got the same sort of slightly baffled, aggressive, angry testicle kind of. Yeah, but then it's smiling. It's very confusing. Oh, imagine finding Alan Sugar in his sandpit; it'd be a nightmare. It tried to sell you a slide. <laughs> <laughs>
and you'd have to like audition <laughs> to go on the roundabout. And they'd just hurl someone off every few minutes if they failed to sell enough hot dogs <laughs> to a, with the dogs in the park. Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show, uh, a podcast that is not, in fact, about obscure British television, but is about video games. Who'd have thought it? Uh, presented to you by rockpapershotgun.com. My name is Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by Mothew. Hello. <laughs> uh, and Tartarus the Brute. Otherwise known, of course, uh, as Vidbud Matthew Castle. Hello. And, and, uh, and Nick Crowley, the uh, section editor. So, hello. How are you? Both presumably enjoying a trip down memory lane there. Yeah, it was good. It was very nice. I was like, give me a chalk ice and I was 10 all over again. How uh, how did how are you mate? Are you all right? You've got a lot. You've been growing a lot of aquatic plants. Yeah, right? um, got completely obsessed with botany. I finally found my way in because uh, <laughs> re- regular listeners will know uh, I've been doing some fish tanks. That's gotten quite out of hand now, actually. <laughs> um, like really out of hand. Yeah, uh, I've got nine up and running, and another. Another three on order. Don't worry, though. They're all quite small. I've gotten into really little ones. Um, and yeah, I've just... how, how big? Give me a kind of... In, in, I, give me a measurement. You're probably not at the level of cerebral sophistication where you can see volumes immediately as cubes in your mind's eye. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I know you're trying to insult me, but I fully agree. I was going to say, like, give me in, you know, how many sort of bananas or curly whirlies or like, you know. Uh, so, okay. I've got um, like four 60-litre tanks, which are like, Blimey. imagine... Um, Imagine a 1950s robot's head. Yeah. Or a television in a caravan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, got you. <laughs> yeah, like like one of them, basically. They're, they're about... Um... No, actually, no, much bigger. I'm thinking of uh, massive caravans, I suppose. Basically, they're like... Uh, they're big. They're two feet wide, or you can get cube ones that are like 18 inches to a side. <laughs> and then I've got... A bunch of um, like foot cube ones. Have you reached the point where you have enough of them that your house feels like a little bit aquarium or like a pet shop? Because I always find they have a slightly eerie energy to them. It's the hum of the tanks, I think. Yeah, my my office is like um, it's like some sort of biodome. I've got these two ridiculously overpowered LED lamps that I call the Lanterns of the Gods because yeah. they, they illuminate my room brighter than the sun does. <laughs> <laughs> and there's all like air pumps and like carbon dioxide diffusers and filters and heaters and, oh, it's good. I'm just making a, I'm making something here. How, how are your family feeling about this, uh, well, they get the best of it, really. Um, I'm just setting up a, a hexagonal um, biotope aquarium in the, the kitchen in the corner, which is going to have some lovely um, little Southeast Asian fish in and a lot of plants and sort of spirally roots and that. 
and then I'm building a, a sort of a water meadow uh, tank in the hallway outside the bathroom. And uh, my daughter, my little daughter, uh, has got the original fish tank we had because for years we lived in a house without space to have fish tanks, really. So I had a little tiny 10-litre tank. And now that that's been muscled out of the way by all of these high-tech behemoths, uh, that's gone in her room, and she absolutely adores it. Um, it's just got a few little shrimp and some tiny crabs as big as peas. Oh. Uh, really, you know that dance people did in the 90s where they sort of um, rolled their forearms around each other like they were trying to spool up cable? Oh, yeah. The crabs yeah. do that all day, all night. I love them. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's really nice. She, she she likes to come into my office and just holler the word fish in ecstasy while pointing around at the tanks. So, uh, yeah. Was, correct me if I'm wrong, but was fish not your, your daughter's first word? It was, yeah. Pointing at that which very is, tank that's now in her room. Which is the most you kind of parenting moment i can't imagine your heart must have burst i was quite pleased yeah yeah i think um i think i've managed to infect her with just your 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 child roaring fish it's pretty good if i have a kid i just want i want its first word to be well first sentence to just to say please like and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) that's what i want <laughs> if you had a kid saying that at the end of a video, people would do it just because it's cute. Like that would be a, a mega boom to the channel. But oh yeah, like it, I, I'm gonna if I get pregnant, I'm gonna do one of those heartwarming videos where you like tell your parents that you're pregnant by giving them like a world's best grandma card Aww. or something. And then they start crying, and then you can put that on the channel. Oh, yeah. Because your end titles. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Why don't, like, we RPS could hire a child? <laughs> uh, we dabbled with that before, but. Uh, oh, it's probably laws. It's probably laws, yeah. Anyway, I'll t- tell you what, I can't think of a segue. Bloody hell, children. You know who else should hire a child? Master Chief from Halo <laughs> to help him in his co-op adventures against the evil Covenant. Oh, there you go. That'll do. So we're doing this week. We're we're going to do like a a, a more structured uh, pod next week. But this week we're just going to do a standard sort of what's happening. What what have you been playing? And uh, Nate has been playing Halo Three. Halo, of course, came out in uh, 2008. Was a uh, single, single from uh, Beyonce's third studio album. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, destroyed in seconds. Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, but you. That song isn't a tie to the games, is it? No, yeah. it should be, though. Imagine. It was the theme Imagine tune. if, oh, if the Halo. Yeah, if instead of the. the Space Monks music and the da, 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 it was yeah. it was Beyonce doing that get Beyonce yeah. oh Jay Z could have been the arbiter <laughs> <laughs> been quite something uh, but you so you Nate have 
uh, a long-standing and, and uh, quite emotional attachment to Halo. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, it's sort of like um, a dog with, with chronic diarrhea for me. Oh, lovely. That's... <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was going to say it's not necessarily the best, but I love it anyway. Nice. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's back. It's back. Yeah. I'm back, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've, I mean, it was really my, my love for Halo is borrowed from my friend Josh, who was obsessed with it and so I just sort of got sucked into his games of Halo and yeah it just it was one of those things where you do something you're um nonplussed about enough times that it becomes essential to your life and now I've just got this huge affection for it and yeah I'm not saying it is quality wise like a a dog with a leaky back end um (laughs) you know they're they're good Solid, um, especially in the case of Halo 1 and 2, pioneering shooters that set the tone for a lot of what came after. I think sometimes maybe they set some inefficient precedents. It's interesting to think how things could have done another way. But yeah, there's no denying they're foundational. And playing through all the new re-Ronalded versions in the uh, Monster Chef collection, they are... Yeah, they hold up pretty well. I mean, they're really entertaining stuff, even today. Halo 3 is the best one, isn't it? Um, No, I think it is Reach, but then I'm one of quite a vocal minority who think that. I think the, the conventional wisdom goes that Halo 3 probably had the best multiplayer, but I'm not that interested in multiplayer, if I'm honest. And its campaign was okay, but pretty good. And on balance, it's probably the best if you take both of those into account. I think there are better Halo campaigns than Halo 3. It's probably got the best multiplayer. I think people consider it to be the the best all-rounder. Uh, personally, I reckon Reach has got the best campaign. But it's got... Hey, I can't remember if they do this in Reach, but... Uh... Halo 3 has got the absolutely brilliant uh, Scarab battles. Yeah, there's two two uh, fights with the, the old Beetle Boys. Um, you, Which are you like the giant one. kind of, like if you've not seen them, they're like these huge, uh, they're not tanks. They're, and they're massive. They're like, what, like 50 <laughs> foot tall? Well, yeah, they're like the AT-80s in Star Wars, but as if they were designed off beetles rather than elephants. Yeah. Oh, oh, and then there are little motorbike versions of them as well, aren't there? Is that right? Well, every, um... every, every, all the Covenant <laughs> stuff is a bit, like, purple and beetly. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's all kind of... It's got carapaces. Yeah. These uh, are massive things. You have to shoot them in the legs, and then they kind of wobble down a bit, and then you get up inside, and you have to shoot, like, shoot their battery, and then they explode. There's just this amazing level where you have to fight two at once um, while there's loads of like um, little Covenant flighter, fighter plane things flying around and like uh, the motorbikes you referred to, Alice, they're called ghosts and they make this really cool sound <laughs> with their little hovery motor. So they're all whizzing around and you can get in a tank or you can get in a little 
future helicopter and oh, yeah. uh, just try and deal with the vast meal you've been served. It's very good. That's very good. There's also a level basically set in what looks like an intestinal tract for about half an hour, and it's absolute <laughs> shit. Yeah, is that in cool. Halo 3? Yeah, that's Halo 3. The level is called Cortana. You have to basically, the Cortana is like pulled inside of like a flood nest or something. And it's basically giant like sort of sphincter doors. Oh yeah, that's right at the end, isn't it? Yeah, it blows. It is, it's one of my least favourite video game moments <laughs> of all time. Everything with the flood in Halo oh. is... Oh, I mean... I don't know, honestly know anyone who enjoys the flood bits. Yeah, it's sort of, and they keep putting them in the games. Well, yeah, you know, they, they, they kept putting them in the games. It's like a comedian who no one has ever laughed at, continually <laughs> making gigantic comeback torts. <laughs> so I don't, I never fully understood because I played some of the Halos. I played them at uh, the guy I was sort of sort of going out with at the time. He loved the Halos, and we'd play them co-op together, but I was quite disinterested, uh, and so it was just him telling me to get in the Warthog and whatever and just shouting at me where to go and stuff. But um, uh, I remember specifically, actually, he was really impressed because he said, I'll take point, and I was like, okay, I'll be Charlie. Uh, and he was like, oh, you know what take point means? And I was like, yeah, anyone would figure that out, though, just <laughs> yeah. from the context. Like... <laughs> Well, if you clearly you're an you're an army lass now um, knowing that. Uh but I never fully understood why you didn't just team up with the covenant covenant. But then you sort of do, don't you? Because it was the flood was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, surely. I never really understood what the halo well, itself was. Your mates uh, with your mates with um the Arbiter. Who's, yeah, so basically who's like one of the Covenant. The Covenant, are, they're like a coalition of aliens run by these awful sort of tortoise popes um, <laughs> yeah. who are just, they've got the most transparently evil plan in like all the video games. Like It's so, I cannot believe how any of them go along with it, even on religious grounds. It's just, <laughs> let's blow up everything. Um, and it's somehow good religiously but it's you know it's so abstract um and but they all go along with it all of the covenant um and they're sort of enforcers these sort of sort of very tall muscly dogs um with sort of two sideways mouths they're called the elites and they eventually get sick of the tortoise popes yeah they sort of get binned off the covenant and become yeah sort of humanity's allies and they're of course replaced in a sort of a you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about way by yeah. the brutes um who are just these awful gorillas is this where your lifelong obsession with brutes comes from oh that was always there um it is quite a treat though in a week where i've been you know thinking happily about how satisfying the concept of brutes is to have a game come out that features brutes in such an enormous canonical fashion <laughs> so well yeah okay so explain to me so that they are putting the halos on pc right 
they're they're putting them all on. Yeah, and they've, they've done Halo Three. Are they um uh like remastered or are they just sort of ported? Yeah, they did. They did a a, a big remaster of one and two, um, which is the anniversary editions, which. They're the ones which have the, the famously you can tap the button to switch between the original graphics and kind of revamped graphics. Uh, three hasn't had that treatment because it's a bit more modern, uh, but it's more just a case of like seeing it run on better hardware where it's obviously smoother and shinier and it's got a slightly kind of timeless art style to it anyway. It's, it, it doesn't need like a radical a radical redo, I would, I would say. Um, do you know that is fascinating because I genuinely thought it had been remastered. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I, I don't think it has. It wasn't because the Master Chief Collection right. was on Xbox One, and it and it wasn't. It's just it's just cleaner, sharper resolution, and whatnot. No, Time you're make, right. makes fools of us all, mate. <laughs> it, well, I did think the faces look weird, um, like the admiral in it. Uh, I said in the post I did on it, he's really he's a haunting presence. You know Till from Ramstein, the sort of the staring, large-faced man who does the main shouting? <laughs> yeah. Imagine if he got into a teleporter at the same time as the Churchill Bulldog and, like, <laughs> a wet feather pillow, and then what came out of the other side would be Lord Hood, the Admiral from Halo 3. <laughs> It's just like, oh, your lips pull back from your teeth in fear when you see him. He looks like he's going to reach through the screen and peel your skin off. Horrible visage. (laughs) But, yeah. Genuinely, it looks quite good. I thought they'd redone it. In fact, I've probably stated inaccurately in my post that (laughs) they've redone it. Let's just uh, gloss that over. God's sake. Sorry, everyone, for the terrible inaccuracies on Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Um, so, but it's, it holds up, you reckon? Yeah, it's, I mean, my overall impression of it um, is that more impressive that, I mean, yeah, Halo 3 is fine. I think the Master Chief collection is really good. It's like a Halo launcher, if you like. Um, mm. It's a bit sexier than that. The thing I really like about it is it's got um, playlists, which are, you can like choose bits from different missions and have it so you play one after the other. Um, so if you just wanted to do all the missions with tanks, where you drive a tank oh. or whatever, you could just stack those up. And I think when they get Halo 4 on it, you're going to be able to do playlists from across all the games. And I think that's brilliant, because the whole thing I've realized about Halo, and it came up earlier when we couldn't remember which bits were in which games, it's all so consistent. Um, It all feels so similar, and the plot is just spaghetti. So it kind of doesn't matter where you jump in and jump out. It's all like a big just soup of gunplay. Um, you don't care about which bit of a bowl of soup you're eating, do you? You just have a bit of the soup. And I think that's what True. Master Chief Collection does. It's just a spoon uh, in a big <laughs> bowl of green motocross helmeted soup. It's great. That's a, that's a very apt 
uh, description. Are you a Halo, a Halo boy, Matthew? Because you uh, used to be an X boy, didn't you? I used to be a what? An X boy, like yes. an Xbox. But a- yes. Some like rubbish X man. Or like I used to be a boy. I'm now a man, aka an X boy. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I I. I don't mind it. I must admit, I never really understood what the fuss was about. I didn't own the original Xbox. The first Halo game I played was Halo 3, and I had fun in, like, co-op, but for for Xbox fans, you know, it's their Mario, and it's as held in, you know, it's it's their, like, gold standard. It's the best thing Xbox are meant to do, and considering that, I never really got it, you know, in terms of, yeah, it's fine. Um, I... The, the weird thing about it, I guess it's like it just isn't like any other modern shooter or what shooters basically became after Call of Duty Modern Warfare in that yeah. it isn't about like very fast it, like time to kill is quite slow you know it's more about using uh, there are certain weapons you meant to use on certain enemies it's kind of like a sort of combat puzzle there's a sort of shield element I I've ne- I don't know it doesn't feel very instantaneous to me and like that never really clicked, but that's like everything that's revolutionary about it is its like shield system and the relationship between the different weapons that you know and, and, and what roles they serve. But that never clicked with me particularly. I like the bits where you get in cars and you like bomb around slightly <laughs> open levels. Yeah, those are everyone's favorite bits, surely. But yeah, well, I don't. I think the not. whole game should be that actually. Like. Uh, I think people remember Halo as like you land on an island and then you drive around a whole island, but you don't really. You know, it was never that, and it's it's what I'm actually quite excited for with the the new one, the Halo Infinite. Like all the promo stuff they've shown of it, which was just like an engine demo, seems to suggest it's like, look how look this engine's built to do open worlds. It's like rolling planes, and there's a warthog just driving across like a vast forest, and there are whatever the halo equivalent of like antelope or just like jumping around or whatever. Um, and that like as a pitch, you kind of like a land on a halo and the game is set on a big open world halo. I'd be up for that if that's what they're going to do. Um, well, cause but, I think the level design is probably what has aged most about them. Like yeah, they are, it's... yeah, they're just pipes connecting circles really. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, mm. And then occasionally, you know, that's elevated by quite good enemy AI, like the Covenant are quite fun to fight, but then the other half of the game is you fight, like we said, the Flood, which is just a like a brainless zombie horde. Um, just I remember them being like little popcorn. They're, well, they, they're, they're irritating things. Like, you shoot them and they like break down into smaller things, and if those smaller things touch bodies, they get turned into Flood, and like there, there is a version of that which could be terrifying. You know, like if they did like a what was that zombie a survival was it horror? Z where you had all the zombies piling up like ants, and they yeah. Like, if you could do the flood like that with like the right, to, and that could be quite like oh god, there's a t- literally like a tidal wave of flesh coming after you, but they don't. It just it's just a shoot this idiot zombie foe. Um, but yeah, it was always like a few aggressive drunks. Yeah. <laughs> we had like, me and Josh had like pet names for all of the enemy types. You know I do what they're meant to be called. There's like you remember those big waddling ones with the bulbous heads and they'd sort of explode when they got yeah. nearer. We called them Billy Brain and 
we re- we were really affectionate towards Billy Brain, and there was Davy Jones, who were the big sort of muscly ones with all tentacles hanging off yeah. their faces because they were a bit like um, Bill. Is it Bill Knight? Yeah, of, that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, well, in, by contrast, Matthew, you've been playing something uh, cutting edge, up to date, visionary at uh, the avant garde, the at uh, the the very kind of bleeding edge video game storytelling. Cutting edge last November or whenever it was they originally came out. It's cutting edge for us. We've okay, cutting edge it. for us. Uh, yeah, I've been playing Death Stranding. Have have you? Has anyone else played this? Um, I have sort of had a little go, and I've seen it, and uh, I've I watched it being played in my home. Uh, it's incredible, and in fact, I think we were going to play a little mini game where we uh, describe, we say things about Death Stranding, and Nate has to decide if they're true or not. Because yeah, I've not played it because I'm allergic to bullshit. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I'm I'm keen to find out more. If you want to do a little do a little game, okay. So um, we are gonna we're gonna basically uh, say things about Death Stranding and. Nate has to decide if they are true or lie. Sort of like when Nate yeah. um, did uh, NPC <laughs> uh, voice clips from The Witcher and we had to decide if they were true or not. Um, right. So do you want to go first, Matthew? Yeah. Uh, in the world of Death Stranding, there are ghosts who've broken into our world They are attached to their ghost world by umbilical cords, which you can cut with a pair of burning hot handcuffs. Now, I know there is sort of, there is some fetal theming in the game. Because I know, I think the main man's got a baby on like a rope or something that he carries around. (laughs) Baby on a rope. (laughs) That was the original name. <laughs> Baby on a rope. <laughs> I think it's got that sort of thing to but the burning hot handcuffs. No, because they're something you use to to attach things, to bind them, not to to sever them. And I don't But maybe that's a delicious perversion of, of their common use. Oh, it would be Oh, that would just be the sort of crazy thinking we'd expect from Kojima. Mm. Um, I don't know. That sounds... I believe the umbilical cords. I don't believe the cuffs. I'm going to say that's, that's probably a falsehood. It's true! <laughs> oh, for God's sake. You've got a <laughs> pair of magic handcuffs that do a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, wow. I was actually trying to be kind to you there because I thought you'd done a really obvious lie, but I didn't want to, you know, insult <laughs> your creativity by just basting it with, oh, come on, try harder. No, no, that's true. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah. Right, Alice, tell me something about Death Stranding. All right. Um, uh, 
Conan O'Brien, isn't it? Oh. Oh, it's, um, I, I know it's got Mad Mex in it because people always go on about that. And I think there's a music person as well. So it's think- got uh, it's got Mad Mix and uh, it's got the um, uh, main character is uh, Norman Reedus. It's got uh, and Guillermo del Toro, the famous Mexican well, it's film weird director. It's, it's got Guillermo del Toro's body in it, but not, not his, his voice. voice. <laughs> it has got another man doing a, a, a voice, yeah. <laughs> that is odd. I, I think Conan O'Brien is one of the late night talk men in America, I don't, I don't really know much about about him really because I've never really watched the show. But he seems like the kind to be up for a laugh. Yeah, I think he is probably in it. Uh, he is. Yeah, he he is. There are a number of um, sort of celebrity cameos because they're basically all holograms because you 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 are a postman. Um, and as Norman Reedus, basically, you go and deliver stuff to different outposts, but you don't really go in them. Uh, a lot of the time, you're greeted by a little hologram person, and a lot of these hologram people are uh, celebrities, uh, including uh, Junji Ito, who's a, a, a manga horror artist who I really enjoy. Uh, Jeff Keighley. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Conan O'Brien, Edgar Wright. Uh, yeah, other game game developers like Sam Lake, Herman Holst. Uh, so yeah, Junji Ito, who did the um, that amazing comic where all the sea life gets horrible metal legs and comes to yes. bother people. Yeah, yeah, comes to him. bother people. I they do. They bother that. people a lot, Matthew. <laughs> I don't know manga very well, but I've got um, I got that one in Pride of Place. It's amazing. Yeah, it's proper freaky, isn't it? All right, try, okay, try so this one. one. On, try this one on size, Nate. All right. In the course of the game, you can lose that baby that's attached to you, and so you have to get a new baby. Now, in the lore of the game, the babies come from rivers, so you have to tempt them out of the rivers by placing rusks on the banks of the river to catch a new baby. Oh. That sounds like it's off the Witcher. Um, it does sound like a bit of Witcher lore. It's brought me back. Um, <laughs> river babies. Well, what state are the rivers in? Well, the rivers, so they're technically, because the baby's called BB, uh, and it's technically Beach Baby, because they wash up on the shore, but it's like any body of water in the game. Oh, is that what the stranding business is about? I, saw, I don't really understand all of it. So I remember the trailer, the first like reveal trailer suggested it was going to be about things that were stranded. Okay, yeah. beach. Right, that makes sense. Um, what is it? Just a normal rusk? Well, yeah, it's like a rusk biscuit thing. It's like it's pretty vague in its description. Okay, so you're you're calling it a rusk rather? Oh than... yeah, it's yeah yeah, it's like a baby snack or so. I can't remember the exact name. Ah, that was my big. That was my big complaint, because that sounded a bit British. Right, oh, right, sure. I was like, you put some monster munch to attract a baby <laughs> called Sid. Um, I don't know, though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did, because he, whenever he goes anywhere, it's just his Instagram is just pictures of food, isn't it? He loves food. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he was like actually well into actual rusks. Like he was in London one day and he went past a mother care or something and he was like, ah, oh, rusks. Yeah, um, this one's believable. Yeah. It's bullshit. Oh, Sorry. I thought it sounded quite good. Got yeah. fishing with rusks. <laughs> no, you, you don't fish. You can fall in the river, uh, but you, you only have the one baby, I'm afraid. Oh, that's good. So it's not in peril. Um, it does get upset, like, because it detects ghosts. And if you get too close to the ghosts, I, I don't know, it's like you're working the baby overtime. So it gets sort it starts crying. And then you have to, like, give it a little rock afterwards to. And it belches. It belches heart ba- it belches little heart bubbles in its sort of amniotic fluid. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's quite good. <laughs> That's the problem with this game. All of it could be made up or none of it. Actually, um, think, thinking about Ghostus, Alice, here's a question yeah. for you, okay. uh, which you can choose to answer truthfully or not. Like, yeah, what uh, when you say ghosts, I am just imagining like dudes in sheets. What what are these ghosts? How uh, how are they presented? Um, they are sort of like Anthony Gormley statues phasing in and out of reality. What's an Anthony Gormley statue look? Angel like? of the North. Oh, like big, sort of blocky lads. Um, maybe that was a, an unapt description. They kind of like. Because you don't really encounter them often. Um, you have to... So basically, sometimes you'll they'll just turn up in an area um, and you have to sneak about holding your breath so they don't find you whilst a little kind of LED flower on your backpack kind of opens and closes... <laughs> Um, well, as well as the baby, <laughs> with yeah. more, or less, more or less urgency, depending on how much danger you're in. And the ghost things are sort of like they sort of float in the air and they sort of appear and disappear, and they're like black, oh. large black kind of humanoid. You know, thing. you went to the fridge in the middle of the night and. You, you know, you, you had yourself a, a bit of leftovers that were in there, but then you decided to, to open up the packet of ham and you got <laughs> greedy and you woke up dad. Like, that was all going swimmingly until the, the, the flower on the backpack, because that, that contradicted Matthew with the baby chat. See, I'm, I'm piecing together the rules of Death Stranding by, uh, by inference here. I'm like a detective, so I'm going to say that's false. No, that's true. <laughs> oh, no. That's 100% true. I was so confident. <laughs> and that's the other thing that confused me, because what well, I think what it is is that the baby is plugged into the LED flower. Is I, that right, I, Matthew? I, I think that's the vibe, yeah. So that it's it's the, the LED flower is basically uh, more helpful to the player to be able to see in third person. When the babies cross, maddening, absolutely maddening. I'm so cross. I was, I was, I, I literally took the time to do a gloat metaphor. <laughs> yeah. What about 
uh, what about uh, when uh, the main character is called Sam Porter Bridges? He's got like a little bedroom he can go to, and when he's in the bedroom, he can he can take a shower, he can go for a wee, or he can uh, do a poo, and all those bodily fluids are turned into grenades that he can then throw at the ghosts. Right. And where where does he live? So he's got he's got a bedroom in any of the major sort of humanities outposts that he's he's delivering parcels between. He can go into the bedrooms. The other weird little wrinkle I should throw in when he's in the shower, the outside of the shower has adverts uh, for Norman Reedus's who play Norman Reedus plays the main character. The shower shows adverts for his motorbike show that is current <laughs> that is currently showing on AMC what in real life in real life <laughs> it's got product placement for a a show which presumably existed pre-apocalypse about Norman Reedus the actor taking motorbike rides now you you tried to serve me a sandwich there like the bedroom fine the, the posters for that, yeah, that's weird. Fourth wall stuff, fine, whatever, Kojima. Yeah, but, sorry, grenades? Can you just can you just run that bit over me again that you tried to slip in in the middle there? <laughs> he, when, you, when, you, when you pee or you poo, it gets turned, you've got a mate who collects it, and he oh, turns is it. Oh, is it Goofy off of Disney? <laughs> <laughs> was that his deal? I don't remember that. Um, he, is that what happens at Disneyland when he goes to the toilet? <laughs> That's creepy. Goofy's enormous gloved hand just <laughs> slips down the toilet bowl and plucks it out. Uh, yeah, well, you, you're actually... So the person who nice. collects it... <laughs> the person who collects it is the film director, uh, Nicholas... Is it Winding Refn, Danish filmmaker? Mm-hmm. Um, he collects your bodily fluids and turns it into grenades because it turns out that even though they want to hunt you, the ghosts are very allergic to Norman Reedus. Oh no, I've I've had quite enough of this, Matthew. I, you're into film. I know you're into film. <laughs> so you just chose a really like some rando director who sounds like they'd cameo in Death Stranding and just wove another believable thread into your tapestry of rubbish. No, I'm sorry, I'm not believing we grenades. Well, that is 100% true. <laughs> That's that, it. I quit the podcast. I'm done. Me. I mean, this is a game where you, you literally get a machine gun that fires your own blood. <laughs> so... <laughs> wow. The first like mission you do in the game is carrying your uh, shrouded dead mother's body on your back to a crematorium uh, so it doesn't explode. And also, she was the president of the United States. What, and you're a postman? Yeah. I mean, I know it's not a monarchy, but... That doesn't tend to happen. Don't you remember the episode where Postman Pat has to deliver uh, <laughs> Nanny Goggins' body into the forest? <laughs> oh, the forbidden episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was panned. It's the episode that got Cosgrove Hall busted. Did they make Postman Pat? I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to say that's true now because I can't... I just... 
I'm broken. Oh, also the Monster Energy product placement. Yeah, that's this is true as well, isn't it? Yeah. So you instead of like you know, um, some games will have like you have like a canteen where you drink water. Um, in this to get a stamina boost, you slam a Monster Energy. <laughs> what the actual drink? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to admit, for all my outrage at having been so thoroughly outwitted, I think I now like Death Stranding better. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to, Matthew, do you want to actually talk? I mean, about- I feel like there's two halves of Death Stranding. There's like all that nonsense which is just like the balmy framing it's kind of the stuff which feels like it's got kojima's fingerprints all over it in terms of it's got his weird celebrity mates spaffling law that doesn't really explain itself or explains itself poorly um but the thing that the bit the other half of the game and the bit that i like is it's a really detailed hiking simulator about a delivery man uh kind of reuniting a shattered United States by delivering parcels between outposts. Um, it's quite a like reasonably full-on hiking simulator, like, you know, weight and balance and you know, the, the steepness of inclines. It's all kind of factors into kind of how he steers and controls. Um, and it's very chill. Uh, I said in our little video, it's kind of got a bit of like truck simulator vibes to it in that what you're doing is quite simple but it's about doing quite a simple job quite well um and setting these like amazing and it's meant to be the united states but it's it's got this big like um icelandic kind of energy to it like big mountains and and great big kind of glaciers and all this kind of stuff um yeah i had a really really chill time with it and it also you know it's a big it's a big game i'm still playing i've played it for about 40 hours i'm still playing it um you as you kind of make your way around the world you get loads and loads of gadgets and equipment which actually really change how you do that job so you get like little hover things that you can put parcels on so you can begin to carry like heavier loads by pulling little hoverboards and you get robot exoskeleton legs that help you like run up the side of mountains and you can build zip lines um yes isn't there a um there's a sort of dark soulsian yeah, so uh, you don't see other players, but the stuff that they build in their world or the stuff that they place, so like if they place a ladder across a river or they put a climbing rope on a mountain to let you climb down quickly, some of that stuff bleeds into your world. Some of the stuff you put down bleeds into theirs. And so the the, the end effect is that as you're playing the game, the landscape is kind of gradually tamed or made a bit easier through everyone's collected work. And that's interesting yeah it, and it's it's actually like you know i was playing in a sort of private server which only really had like games journalists who i think seem to be quite into it but but like it really does change considering what you're doing is so boring and mundane mundane rather than boring like it only takes a little change in that world to feel absolutely massive um, so hang on just so i can get this straight is it like Stuff will phase into your world from people who are playing at the same time, or like it's when not, you load the game up, does does stuff appear? Because I mean, not everyone's going to be playing at the same time. No, it's it? not. Like, so it's it, it's 
so, some of the mechanics behind you are, are sort of deliberately hazy. You don't see stuff phase just in, but like you'll be walking towards a mountain and you'll just find a ladder there and it'll say like who placed the ladder and you can thank them. You can give them like a like and then when next time they load up their game, they'll get a like for that ladder. Um, stuff that's can you subscribe placed... to their ladders? Okay. <laughs> Please <laughs> like and subscribe to this motorway. Um, well, what, yeah, so that you've got like you've got smaller things like that which are very bespoke, and like sometimes you're running away from something horrible, and then you'll discover someone's built like a perfect bridge that lets you escape, and you're there's this great sense of like, yes, you did it, thank you so much. Like they sort of anticipated what you wanted, and but then there are also like there's a grand communal project which is basically building a motorway across the United States, which everyone has to like pump resources into to build it segment by segment. Uh, and in the course of my game, so it's it's connected to quite major cities. So now that entire region, I can just like bomb it along the motorway on a on a on a motorbike. Um, so will, but, will this happen in everyone? Like if I, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. In, in theory, I mean, it's, it's not like something the players have decided to do by themselves. It's no, like one it's, of the things no, that will happen. It, it, it's like a it's a forced thing. It, it, it's 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 not just like. Oh, put some cute stuff down. See what happens. Like everything's very functional. Like the stuff you can build all has a purpose. So it's not like it's not like a Minecraft. You know, you can't build like a weird house or something. Um, but ah. it's it's more like people just placing things. And like, if you wanted to play it, if you wanted to be a bit meta about it, like you could try and anticipate where you think people are going to want stuff to try and get their likes because their likes tie into your character <laughs> development. So for example, I built a network of zip lines over this mountain to basically connect two halves of the map. And then I came in a day later and like the whole network had thousands of likes because people uh, have obviously been using it loads. Um, mate. It's, it's, it's really good. It's, it's like, it's not totally free form. But it's sort of this. It sacrificed, you know, that kind of freedom for something which is like has like a, a clear purpose, and it does tie into the whole theme of the game, which is about you know a kind of nation sort of healing and and the idea that these delivery men are the people who are going to fix and unite everything. And like kind in of Kevin Costner's The Postman, very much like Kevin Costner's The Postman. It sounds a bit. It sounds a bit wanky, but it it genuinely does work, and it's mechanically like very satisfying um and i don't know why they didn't put it front and center really because it's like the best thing about the game but all they focused on was like look here's a photorealistic norman readers which is fine like it's a fine thing but it's not it's not and if you look at if you look at norman readers norman penis he'll punch the camera <laughs> is that true yeah you know in his little room oh. that you can in his bedroom you can like look at his crotch Right. Um, but if you do it, it, he'll start like telling you not to do it. And if you do it too much, oh. he'll punch the camera. Well, I haven't, I haven't tried that. I'll submit. The only, but the only reason like most people do it is because they've heard that there is oh. a response to doing it. So like, no, nobody really, I don't think is that interested in Norman Reedus's penis, but, uh, right. it's a bit, don't think about a polar bear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's, uh, another little thing they've added, they they did a little tie-in with Valve. So they've got like a new series of side missions, which you're basically collecting companion cubes. And when you bring them back to people, you get a kind of Half-Life cosmetic. So Norman Reedus can wear like Gordon Freeman glasses. Um, 
Or he can have the valve in the back of his head, like on the company logo. What kind of nerd would do that? I Come know, on. but it's 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 a bit cute. I got I got these gravity gloves from Half Life Alex, and they're actually useful because you can like zip packages from like twenty meters away, like onto your back, so he can just stand there, kind of gathering packages if they're just out of reach. Uh, which oh, is that's quite pretty like. cool. Yeah, that's 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 quite fun. Um, what does the name of the game actually mean then? Well, there is the thing about of like there, there's a lot of stuff about this like the ghost realm is is like this beach and and it's the idea of that you know people being isn't stranding like stuff that's washed up on a coastline isn't that right there's yeah. a thing so a, a death stranding is when loads of uh cetaceous like creatures like whales or um uh oh. dolphins strand themselves and die uh yeah. are they an- a normal stranding is when they just accidentally get stranded, and then a death stranding, I think, is a bit creepier. Oh right, but, well, I uh, didn't know it was a, it was an exact thing. Um, it's quite funny actually. At the start, there's it, it uses strand as like as like a connect, you know, the connection. It uses there's a lot of stuff about ropes in the game, and it starts off with this hilarious quote from uh, I think some Japanese author about the role of like ropes in society and it always makes me think of staff let's flats um <laughs> no doors just ropes yeah no doors just ropes every time <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think there should be a brick room but <laughs> yeah. we use that all the time uh, uh, it's so got, yeah that game's got big american let's energy <laughs> uh, okay now i'm sold yeah, it's it's honestly like the, the the big criticism with the game is that it front loads itself with like two hours of really naughty like Kojima nonsense, and it begins to unpick that over the following tens of hours. But once you actually get into it, you are pretty much left to do the delivery stuff. Um, I just cannot bear the lore in his games. It's also arbitrary. And this is like particularly infuriating because it's always like nonsense terminology. There's always acronyms. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you know, Norman Reedus is a, you know, a a porter with, he's a repatriated sufferer of doom syndrome. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know what that means. Okay, um, I'm back to square one and loathing this. I don't know what that means, and also I don't care. No, but that's the thing, and you don't have to care. Like, actually, you can just play it, and, like, there's a surprisingly good game un- under, you know, sort of despite itself, Death Stranding is a, is a, is a good game. <laughs> so... <laughs> if, if Halo was a dog with a leaky bum, what sort of flawed pet would Death Stranding be? Well, it's got to be something quite sort of exotic and unknowable but which is occasionally kind of like sweet i like uh, like an octopus but that an octopus is quite interesting from start to finish just the nature of it you know uh i don't i don't know if it's like is there is there like some animal that only like comes out once in a while yeah i've got um a bionicephalus catfish in one of my tanks it's my What We Do in the Shadows theme tank, and he's called the Baron. Good. Uh, and he he comes, I see him like once a month. 
I have to come into the room in the dead of night silently and shine a dim torch into the tank. And sometimes he's just sitting in the corner like a turd. And I love him. He looks amazing. It's basically that, except that when you flash the torch on him, he's also smashing a can of Monster Energy drink. (laughs) (laughs) So that's basically it. What would you do if your fish was caught doing that? Terrifying. God, every time. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know when the music's coming. Well, because I can't preface every sting by going, Matthew Sharp, I'm going to play you out. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. This is like when we first had the stings and you were like, oh, I did I did do a game. <laughs> and I, I, I Oscar music to you. Yeah, I'm used to it by now. That was probably the one. Just go and sting me again. <laughs> I'm stung. Uh, so now, of course, we're just going to quickly do our Five Nights at Freddy's book report, which I'm sure the two lads have remembered. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> no, it's fine. I didn't think you had. I read mine uh, and it was shit. Uh, <laughs> but we can talk about it another time. I have started reading mine. So, Matthew, for those who, who didn't listen a few weeks ago, we were talking about Five Nights at Freddy's and we discovered there's a novelization series of... Five Nights at Freddy's. So Matthew's reading the first one. I'm reading the second one. And Nate, even more confusingly, is going to read the third one in isolation. Um, And then we're going to do a book report. Um, So we will do that at some point. But I haven't forgotten about it. Um, But uh, we do have time at the end to do recommendations. Uh, Do you have recommendations prepared? Matthew and Tartarus. I'm sure, so, I can, yeah. I'm sure I can do one. Uh, do, do you want to go first then, Tartarus? Yeah, uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Monster Energy Drink. Uh. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. <laughs> that was the sound of me guzzling the rest of my cherry coke and pretending <laughs> it was Monster Energy Drink, but there was a huge bubble stuck in my throat and I don't want to belch on air. You know, we can oh. cut out if you belch. We can... This does get edited. We don't just... Ah, no, it's okay. I've absorbed the gas into my body. Um, God, it's... I don't think I've consumed anything other than aquatic plants recently. So, you know, I'll go ahead and recommend an aquatic plant. It's going to be Pogostemon helferi, also known as Little Star Plant. It's uh, from Thailand. And it looks like a crinkly little star-shaped cabbage. Um, and you, you, you can be interested in this even if you're not a fish keeper. You could get a tiny little glass tank and just grow these on a bit of wood in it. You don't even need soil. And they stick to wood and they spread along the wood, making these lovely little starbursts of pale green crinkles. Uh, you can order them from a company called Tropica. Um who I think, I want to say they're Netherlands-based. Do they make the juice? Yeah, they make the juice, that's right. Uh, no, um, different <laughs> Tropica. Uh, they do like in vitro aquatic plants uh, of phenomenal quality. You can just order them off Amazon. So you should think about doing, you know, even if I can't get you sucked into fish, maybe you'd just like a tiny little... Uh, aquatic garden on your windowsill totally doable go to tropica.com 
get yourself some Pogostamen Helfiri or one of the many other plants available. Uh, shall I go next, Matthew? Go for it. I will go. I'm going to recommend a slightly weird and specific thing, uh, but I'm going to recommend uh, looking up house prices in Ireland on uh, daft.ie, which is really funny. Like, because you know, here we have, you know, we use like Zoopla and whatever. In Ireland, the collected kind of property search website is called Daft, <laughs> which is really fun. <laughs> I just imagine like if someone's like yeah I've been um uh, I've just been looking yeah well we're gonna we want to move flat so we've been looking on bloodystupid.com daft <laughs> <laughs> yeah daft.ie yeah, and you can look up houses for sale all over Ireland and it's a really lovely pursuit because um you can find um first of all like you can find like five bedroom the other day I found like a five bedroom farmhouse in a town walking distance from a school, the shops and church, which is very important. Um, uh, and it was like five bedroom, just reiterate that it was 150,000 euro. And I was sort of like, what's wrong with it? Cause all the pictures didn't have any damage. It didn't look like there was any water damage. There was no hideous black mold or anything. I was like, What's, what happened in this house? I nearly emailed them to say, to pretend I was interested in buying the house. <laughs> so I could ask like, so was there a murder? Like, what? That is wild. Um, yeah. So first, so you find absurdly nice houses for very cheap and that's sort of quite nice and aspirational. Um, I say very cheap, 150,000. Um that was but, an endorsement uh, for Ireland, really. I know, right? But I mean, the other thing is that a lot of the time you'll find these places and they're beautiful, but uh, but they're in the middle of nowhere. And like the listing will say like, uh, phone signal and internet, uh, like 3G is available if you walk to the top of the hill, but only on oh. sunny days and not when the weather is bad. Like, um, uh, But also you find these amazing... Um, sort of abandoned uh, old farmhouses that are proper old kind of stone and slate and they've got, you know, they're sort of a bit half fallen down, but they're these amazing structures that are sort of partly reclaimed by by the, the countryside and they're sort of, they're all in like 20 acres of ground and you can buy them for like £50,000 and then you just have this, amazing old ruin in Ireland, I guess. But um it's, yeah, it's it's a I mean, you know in as much as anyone will ever be able to afford to buy a house, hmm. <laughs> I think looking at the housing market in Ireland is just very kind of nice and relaxing. So That's I recommend that. Good. Matthew, what do you recommend? I'm going to recommend a documentary I've been watching on the BFI player. Uh, which is called A Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese Through American <laughs> Movies. Amazing. And it's basically Martin Scorsese does the the visual essay uh, years before YouTube took the format and made it incredibly tedious. And it's Martin Scorsese telling you about uh, early to... Well, I'd say I'd just say early American film, 
the rise of certain genres, the role of certain directors, and it's just him sitting in a chair, lots of clips. It's a bit shonky in that it doesn't tell you like what any of the films are, so I have to have Wikipedia open, which has got a list of all the things he's talking about, um, which is, uh, you know, add some lower thirds, come on. Um, uh, it's, it's all I ask. Uh, and it's just good. It's just, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the stuff I haven't heard of, but, uh, and some of it, some of it I have, but even so it's stuff that I've kind of written off as old film. I wasn't particularly interested in, and he actually puts it in a really good way. And, and we've, we've watched the first two or three parts and we come out of both with quite a few films we want to track down and see. Um, he talks about them really passionately, slightly, uh, distracting, and this isn't his fault, um, but Martin Scorsese in 1995, which is when this was recorded, uh, the bridge of his nose is incredibly hairy. Um, <laughs> uh, I find it quite distracting because it's like, it would be obvious to him that the bridge of his nose was, it's like, it's like if you imagine the middle of a monobrow had like slipped down like an inch. Uh, I don't know, that's not his fault. Like, He's probably just a hairy man. Uh, Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at Martin. Scott. I feel wrong for bringing it up, but hairy it. nose. Uh, there isn't. I was hoping there would be some sort of website dedicated to Martin Scorsese's nose no, being well, that's hairy. Because he's a master craftsman, and to like to make that remark about him seems quite sort of facetious and and dull. But I, uh... you say that as if someone else made that remark, though. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but I, I felt like it had to be said because it, it is something I think about a lot while we're watching it. Well, shame on you as well because he loves this podcast. Oh, I bet he doesn't. Um, no, but... he's, he's indifferent to it. He likes my bits. Sorry, I found I found a, an article called 19 Eyebrows as Famous as the Men Who Own Them." <laughs> GQ has gone downhill. God, one of the first one is Robert Pattinson. That's, he hasn't got famous eyebrows. I didn't know even though he had eyebrows. Well, I mean, I presumed he did, but like they don't come to mind. This article is nonsense, so I'm going to link it in the show notes well, so everyone can make fun of it. But yes, but this documentary, very good, very informative, needlessly hairy, but I like it. <laughs> so with recommendations out of the way, all that remains this week, dear reader, dear reader, dear listener, uh, is for us to say goodbye because you have been listening to the Electronic Wireless podcast uh, show, a podcast about PC games from Rock Paper Shotgun. Uh, even though it may at various points have been about sick pets and uh, old television shows, <laughs> um, you can uh, we're we're on all your your pod things. Uh, but if you do have time, take a minute to uh, give us a five star uh, review because uh, that would be lovely and uh, remember to follow us on Twitter we're on Twitter uh, at Rock Paper Shot we're on Facebook Rock Paper Shotgun we have um, merch uh, with some lovely t-shirts now um, which is oh god I always forget where the merch is I'll link to the merch and uh, Matthew of course is uh, head vidbird uh, over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Rock Paper Shot it's good just check it out. People actually people like yeah, it. I like it. I, I like it. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> uh, but of course, for all your rock paper shotgun and PC gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. Uh, and if you're interested in making some rock paper shotgun themed friends, there is a Discord for our community where they will chat and 
uh, organize playing games together and it's a it's a billboard time it's a fun old time um so we'll link to that as well but in the meantime hope you have a lovely week and we'll see you next time it's goodbye from me alice bell goodbye and it's goodbye from matthew goodbye <laughs> and it's goodbye from tartarus the brute <laughs>